0: Tonight I recorded a podcast that dealt with the travesty of the national religious community accepting a certain degree of extremism within their ranks, extremism and Chilul Hashem. A big part of this discussion involved the fact that the Maftal, or the Ba'ihudi Yehudi, has accepted Utsma Yehudit as part of its party. Utsma Yehudit is led by somebody who is a kahanist and who has a picture of Baruch Goldstein on his wall. After recording the podcast... The news was released that the three national religious or somewhat national religious parties have united without Otsma at the explicit direction and demand of Naftali Bennett, the head of the New Right Party. Despite the fact that they have united without Otsma, it still remains completely unacceptable That it was even considered a possibility for two of those three parties. Two of those three parties cared more about going over the electoral threshold than absolutely rejecting a party that's antithetical to religious Zionist values. So please listen to this podcast knowing that there's good news at the end, but there's much more work to do. I'm a committed religious Zionist. I moved to Israel. I got married in Israel. My wife and I are raising our family in Israel. And I believe strongly that the state of Israel, Medina Yisrael, is a gift from Hashem to the people of Israel and, frankly, to the entire world, whether they appreciate it or not. Religious Zionism is thus a key part of my own personal theology, and that's why it can be so upsetting when it seems that parts of our community have gone off the rails. In some ways, I think at times that there might be a rot at the heart of the Dati Lumi world. I'm Scott Kahn. This is The Orthodox Conundrum. This is The Orthodox Conundrum on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. This podcast is actually going to be somewhat different from what I originally intended— I'm going to speak about what my plan to speak about was all along but new things have developed in the news recently which have allowed me to move it into a different direction which is why i'm actually releasing it sooner than i anticipated in order to get to my main point though let me first talk about something quite different which will lead into what i want to discuss about the dati Lumi universe we're rightly proud when religious jews act in a manner that's a kiddush hashem and recently we heard a number of such examples over the past two weeks we've heard many reports about the meme that took place all over the world for Daf Yomi. These were, by and large, wonderful events, and afterwards, we repeatedly heard about the wonderful behavior of the participants. For example, in Mishpacha magazine, David Bashevkin wrote, I didn't need the WhatsApp reactions to confirm what I already knew would be the case from the start. The Jewish people rose to the occasion. Every speech we've heard growing up, before leaving the bus, on the field trip, about the opportunity to make a Chilul Hashem or a Kiddush Hashem, clearly resonated. From the start, every maintenance worker, every security guard, everyone in the ticket booth got a smile and warm word. Cynics might wave it off and say, we knew this was a day we had to be on our best behavior. The press is here. They're wrong. When Jews gather to celebrate Torah, there is an implicit sense of duty that a celebration of Torah must go hand in hand with good midot. And I have heard repeatedly that that truly was the case. And that's a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. The fact that there was such decorum and proper manners and good behavior at the MetLife Seum with 90,000 Jews is something we should all be rightly proud of. For the London Seum Ashas in Wembley Arena, a letter was released by the arena's operations manager and reads as follows. On behalf of all the team, I must express our deepest pride and pleasure at being given the opportunity to host the Sium event. When we were first approached in July by the committee, we had absolutely no idea what type of event this was. We began to gain an understanding, and as the date approached, I briefed our internal staff as to the nature of the event. However, nothing could really have prepared us for what happened. 6,748 tickets were scanned at the door, aside from the top-table rabbis who entered via the VIP entrance, and of course, all your volunteers and crew. There are a number of points that have blown us away. One, we have a security cupboard, in which we allow guests to deposit anything deemed dangerous or inappropriate. At an event this size, we would normally take anything between 700 to 1,000 items. Tonight, we held nothing. Two, there was not a single instance of drunkenness, boisterous or rowdy behavior. Not a single one. I have been at the arena for 28 months and accommodated over 300 events in that time. Never have we had no incidents. Three, all the team were blown away by the amount of thank yous that we received at the end of the evening. I actually thought everyone had been instructed to do this. I am devastated that SIUM only takes place once every seven years. The event was a delight for all of us. Anyone who was present should be proud that that was the reaction of the operations manager. The fact that these events have garnered such praise has been widely reported. I'm probably not telling anyone anything they didn't already know. The problem is it puts another event, which you may not have heard about, into stark relief, an event which I find quite troubling and which I'm going to relate right now. And the reason that it's doubly troubling is that I'm afraid that the problems there relate to a bigger problem at the heart of the national religious world. Today, I went to a yeshiva in order to speak to a soldier, a Hezder soldier, who was in Chevron for Shabbat Parshat Chai Now, because Parshat Chai talks about Avraham Avinu's purchase of the Cave of the Patriarchs, Maratamach Pela, this Shabbat has become the big Shabbat when people go for Shabbat to Hebron and to Kiryat Arba, which is the city immediately adjacent to and touching Hebron. My daughter, in fact, went there last year. Now, let me preface this by saying that by and large, of the tens of thousands of people who go there, the vast majority are perfectly fine and do nothing out of the ordinary, nothing that we should be embarrassed of. However, that's not true for everybody. When I spoke to this soldier, and I did go to speak to him specifically about this event, he was telling me about his time there. He was in Hebron both before and after the Shabbat. He knew what Hebron is normally like. He also understood and explained that on Shabbat Chayesara, generally, the Arabs in Hebron try to, I guess, lay low. They understand they're extra soldiers, that... Tensions among the Jewish people there might be somewhat high. This is probably not a good Shabbat that anyone who might think of starting up with the Jews there should start up with them. Generally, even those Arabs who might have wanted to try to mess around or be boisterous or whatever else, on this Shabbat, they usually will not. The soldier told me that Friday night was a beautiful atmosphere. It was really a wonderful experience. Nothing went wrong. And Shabbat morning was also fine. The problem really was Shabbat afternoon. Now, Hebron has two Jewish neighborhoods. One is called Avraham Avinu. The other one is called Tel Romedah. They are attached by maybe a six-minute walk. It's a path, essentially. And that's the area that's under Israeli control. Beyond that, the larger city of Hebron is not under direct Israeli control. On the afternoon of Parshat Chayisar, a lot of people started walking up into that area in some way, the soldier told me, because there's really no program. It sort of felt like a Shabbaton, but a Shabbaton that wasn't organized by anybody specific. So therefore, on the afternoon of Shabbat, there was no tochnit. There was nothing specific they were supposed to do. So people came into Chevron, which in and of itself is not a problem. But the problem was that it turned into a parade of a couple thousand people. They were loud. They were singing, which inherently you might say there's nothing wrong with. The problem was, this is walking through what is essentially an Arab neighborhood. This is not only in the Jewish part of town. This is not only in Kiryat Arba or directly in Avraham Avinu. This is the entire way between Avraham Avinu and Tel Rameda, which is largely Arab. And by being loud, by being boisterous, by singing loudly, it was essentially trying to make a point. Now, that point might be one with which we agree. Chevron belongs to the Jewish people. Fine. But being loud and frankly obnoxious is not the way that political discussions that have been going on for over 50 years are going to be determined. That is not what's going to decide it. The fact that you're there makes a point. By being jerks, it undermines that very point. So the loudness, the singing, that's only part of it because there were some people, you know, some hotheads who started throwing rocks at Arabs. There were Jews who were getting drunk. Some of them were fighting with Arabs and soldiers. But as this soldier told me, that's not surprising with 40,000 people. You're always going to have some people who mess around, who misbehave. So the fact that some people threw rocks is inexcusable, but in some ways to be expected. We certainly can't blame the entire group there for the actions of a couple people. But by creating an atmosphere with a big parade, loud, loud, and all of a sudden some people start throwing rocks, that we can start saying is maybe the fault of the people who are being loud, creating such an atmosphere. Now, on Shabbat Chayi the the gravesite of Otniel Ben Knaz from the time of the Shoftim, it's actually open, even though it's in the Arab part of town, meaning beyond Tel Romeida. Normally, it's off-limits. It's in what he says called the red zone. But on this Shabbat, by law... People are allowed to go there. And then things got even worse. A couple people torched some cars. This is Shabbos, remember? These are religious Jews. Maybe they're kids, but they're torching cars. And of course, aside from being Michal Shabbos themselves, they're also forcing the Jewish soldiers to be Michal Shabbos by, as this soldier said, opening up an electric gate, which legally they have to do. It was crazy. I mentioned Chilul Shabbos only because I would think that a religious Jew would at least think about that. Even if they're not going to think about this large issue of being jerks to other people, of this terrible Chidollah Hashem, simply the fact that you're being so violent and disrespectful to other human beings. Yeah, they're Arabs in Chevron. You have to treat them like garbage? That's the way religious Jews behave? It's awful. Once again, You can say they're crazy people. These are nobodies. These are just a tiny, tiny piece of the population. And I don't disagree at all. The question is, the question is, what do we do about these crazy people? Do we expel them from our community? Do we say this is absolutely not acceptable? Or do we ignore it and say it's not the biggest deal? And even though it's only a few people, understand what the stakes are. Because this was Shabbos. There were not cameras from Israeli TV stations there. There were, however, cameras from Arab television stations. And this soldier told me that after Shabbat, some of his friends who understood Arabic watched Arabic TV and saw the pictures, which were not doctored, of Jews throwing rocks, of Jews torching cars, of Jews being loud, boisterous, obnoxious, and drunk. If people don't stop those few bad apples... That's not how it looks to everybody else. When people watch on Arabic TV, they don't say, oh, that's only two Jews. They see Jews throwing rocks. We have to stop people like that. We have to say this is not acceptable. And to me, comparing the great decorum that we talk about for the siyum the deserved praise that we have for those people who acted so wonderfully and who did such a Kiddush Hashem, we have to equally condemn those people who make a chilun HaShem. Never mind Khil Shabbos. And it's not just a couple people. It's all those people around who didn't stop them, who didn't actively try to intervene and say, this cannot go on, you cannot act like this. So as this soldier told me, let's face the facts. Those who threw rocks were a tiny subset of those people marching. And those people marching who were being overly loud and in that sense not acting properly, they're a tiny subset of all those people who went to Hebron. So I am not in any way condemning everybody who went to Hebron on Shabbat Chai That would be absurd. Most of those people had no idea that this was happening. But for us to now know that this is going on and to ignore it, that seems to be the opposite of what we're supposed to do. When the Navim used to go and chastise B'nai Israel. They didn't say I'm only going to talk about the good stuff and the bad stuff I'm going to ignore. When orthodox press talk about the wonderful decorum of the si'um, incessantly, yes, talk about that, but equally make note of that which has to be improved. When we act nicely, sure, celebrate it. But that shouldn't be at the expense of ignoring and pretending that it doesn't happen the other way as well, that Chilil HaShem doesn't also go on for the exact same type of thing, just the reverse. The Jews can't be loud and boisterous and drunk. And that was what was going on in Chevron on Parsha Chayesara, and the fact that those people who act this way are a part of our community, part of the religious Zionist world, and have not been expelled, have not been told that this kind of behavior is absolutely unacceptable—that's our problem as much as it's their problem. You know, Rav Norman Lamshlita wrote an article commemorating Yitzhak Rabin's shloshim about twenty-four years ago, and he wrote, "Let us speak the truth." The Amirs and the Goldsteins, he's referring to Yigal Amir, who killed Prime Minister Rabin, and Baruch Goldstein, who killed 29 Arabs in Maratah Machpelah in 1994. The Amirs and the Goldsteins did not invent their depraved justifications for murder out of thin air. It is true that they were weeds in our garden, but they were weeds in our garden. Listen to that line again. It is true that they were weeds in our garden, but they were weeds in our garden. And the same thing is true today. People listening might say, of course we don't condone this kind of behavior. But the problem is, we see it happening in a different arena as well. Tonight, I'm recording this on Wednesday night, January 15th, Naftali Bennett came out publicly resisting Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's entreaties that his party, New Right, should merge together with Mafdal by Yehudi, Its name has changed. Naftali Bennett is refusing to merge together with the National Religious Party by Yehudi, Maftal, because that party itself merged together with Itmar Ben-Gvir's Otsma Party. What is all this about? In order for Netanyahu and Likud to lead a coalition of 61 seats out of the 120 in the Knesset, they have to make sure that there are 61 members of Knesset who will join their coalition because Israel has a threshold where a party that does not get 4 seats doesn't get in at all if a party only gets 3 seats in the Knesset those 100 and something thousand votes are effectively thrown in the garbage because Bayihudi currently is below the threshold Netanyahu is pushing Bennett to merge together with that party so together they will be well over the threshold and those extra three or four seats will not be thrown in the garbage. That is the reason that Netanyahu wants this to happen. And Naftali Bennett to his credit has refused to do so and he says the reason is because by Ud merged together with Otsma. What is Otsma? Otzma is run by Itmar Ben-Givir who is known for having a picture of Baruch Goldstein on the wall of his house. Again, Baruch Goldstein is the doctor who, in 1994, walked into Marat HaMachpelah and gunned down 29 Arabs at prayer. Yes, there are people out there, apologists, who will say that he was doing so in order to prevent a massacre. Let's not even get into this. You don't kill 29 people at prayer to prevent a massacre. This is not 29 people who, with bombs strapped to their waist on their way to kill Jews. That is not what was happening. That is revisionist history. These were 29 people who were praying, and regardless of what his motivation was, what he was trying to do, we have to say that in an earthly court, this man is a murderer. And to have a picture on the wall of a murderer of 29 people, to join together with that party, which is what the National Religious Party has done, is a disgusting action. Now, almost a year ago, before the first of these three elections that we've had trying to figure out something in order to get out of this political deadlock. Rafi Peretz, who runs Jewish Home by Yehudi, asked three questions of Otsma to make sure that they really could merge together. I'm reading now from an article by Jacob Magid in Times of Israel from 27th of March 2019. The article reads, Jewish Home Chairman Rafi Peretz says that before he agreed to merge with Otsma Yehudit ahead of the upcoming elections, he required the far-right faction to denounce the targeting of innocent Palestinians. Quote, we clarified a number of issues with them before moving forward in forming a technical bloc. The Jewish home leader said that after he received positive answers to his three main concerns, he was prepared to move forward with a controversial merger. Price tag attacks. This is when hot-headed young Jews go and randomly commit acts of vandalism against Palestinians. Price tag attacks. Are you for them or against them? Quote, the response they gave was, we are against such attacks. The second issue on which Peretz asked for clarification was attacks and disparagement targeting IDF soldiers. This was in apparent reference to a growing number of incidents during outpost demolitions in which young, far-right protesters have assaulted Israeli security forces. The Jewish home chairman said that the Osma Yudit leadership assured him they are against such actions. Lastly, Peretz recalled asking the slate of self-described Meir Kahana disciples if they were, quote, "...willing to unequivocally say that under no circumstance will you encourage the harming of innocent Arabs." Evidently the Yudit leadership's lionization of Jewish extremists such as Baruch Goldstein who gunned down 29 Muslim worshippers at the Tomb of the Patriarchs holy site in Hebron in 1994 had left Peretz feeling that he needed to clarify this issue in particular you don't say after receiving a positive answer to the third question as well Peretz said he was comfortable going ahead with the alliance Ben Gavir confirmed the account to the Times of Israel okay so here is a party that he clarified with them in advance making sure that they were against price tag attacks against innocent Palestinians, attacks against Sahal soldiers, and that they wouldn't harm innocent Palestinians, that they're against violence, in other words. And they said, you know what? We're against it, and we want to join with your party. I'm satisfied. Come on. Can you imagine? All he needed to do was ask them to make sure. Are you sure you're against these things? Okay, then we can merge together. This is the flagship party. Of the religious zionist world and in order to join together with a racist violent party he just had to make sure they would publicly say we're not for those things any party that you have to ask those questions should fundamentally be invalidated from the start of course that's ridiculous the fact that they said oh we're not for that anymore or whatever that's ridiculous it should already have been disqualified inherently now you might say okay that's only Mafdal, but there's another religious party called the National Union, which is a different, essentially national religious party. And they're right now joined together with Bennett and his new right, Yamin Khadash, instead of being together with Mafdal and Otsma. So doesn't that mean that that segment of the community has rejected Otsma? The answer is no, because this is purely pragmatic. The National Union Party, which is led by B'tsala Smotrich, was actually running together with Bayi Yehudi and Otsma in those April... 2019 elections. The only reason they're not now is because they disagreed about other issues regarding internal primaries. But Smotris apparently has no ideological problem with joining with Utmah because he did so in the past and hasn't disowned that decision. Which means that right now, there are three religious Zionist parties. There's New Right, there's National Union, and there is Bayi Yudhi. Two of which have no problem joining together with a Kahanist party led by somebody with a picture of a murderer of 29 Arabs on his living room wall. And Naftali Bennett should be commended for refusing to join together with Otzma under any circumstances. I'm reading from today's Jerusalem Post, which reads, New right leader Naftali Bennett has strongly rejected the possibility of allowing the far-right Otsma Yehudi party to join a right-wing religious political alliance, and strongly criticized Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu for pressuring him to take the Kahanist group on board. Quote, I will not include someone on my electoral list who has a picture in his living room of a person who murdered 29 innocent people, said Bennett, in a statement on Facebook Wednesday afternoon. He was referring to Osmal leader Idmar Ben-Gavir, who infamously has a picture of Barack Goldstein who carried out the cave of the Patriarchs Massacre in 1994 on his living room wall. This should be so self-evident that I am shocked that I need to explain it, continued Bennett. Imagine a U.S. congressman who had a picture of someone on his wall who killed 29 Jews in the synagogue. Does this sound logical? I don't care how much I am pressured. It's not even an option. It won't happen. This is my final decision. Netanyahu has strongly pressured Bennett to accept Otsma, similar to the events of the April and September elections, when the prime minister also strongly pressured the right-wing parties to accept the extremist-khanist party onto its joint list. To me, this is all of a piece. Religious Zionism is a wonderful ideology. It's an ideology in which I believe. But we have allowed extremism to grow in our garden. We have allowed it for many years and it's time to get it out. To actually believe that two of the three parties that are associated with, in some level, religious Zionism are willing to sit with a party run by Itmar Ben-Gvir who has a picture of Baruch Goldstein on his living room wall. That is something we should be embarrassed about. This is utterly embarrassing. This is awful. This is Chilu Hashem. And how can anyone in the religious Zionist world not care about these developments? It's time for us to establish clearly and firmly that extremism has no place. Extremism has no place in religious Zionist thought. I've told my students in the past that taking any mitzvah, anything, and putting it above every single other value is a type of idolatry. It's a type of zara. That's what extremism is. And when extremists act in an inappropriate way, beyond the extremism itself, like this soldier, who obviously wants to remain anonymous, saw in Chevron, when extremists act that way, we have an obligation to kick them out. We have an obligation to make it clear that they don't represent us. It is no longer good enough to say, come on, they're crazies, who cares? I know they're crazies, but they're crazies who are part of our community that we have not yet had the guts to expel. And they're not just crazies, because if two of the three parties are willing to sit together with Otsma, then it's not just a tiny group. We're talking about tens of thousands of people who are willing to accept this maybe more, maybe it's even hundreds of thousands, who are willing to go along with it for the sake of some bigger value. I don't mean they all agree with Otsma, but they don't all reject Otsma. For political expediency, they're willing to sit with them. And we as religious Zionists have to tear Kriya on this. We have to say this is a complete violation of everything that we believe in. This is a violation of the Torah that we follow. This is a violation of the Judaism that we espouse. This is a complete Disgusting violation of what religious Zionism is meant to be. And it's time for us all to do that, to accept that when people act inappropriately within our camp, we must stop it. Racism. Has no place in religious Zionism. But that is a hope and not a reality, because the reality is right now, racism has a very close place and a very serious place and a place of honor in the religious Zionist world. That's the rot at the heart of religious Zionism, because so many people are willing to accept this inappropriate behavior, this inappropriate way of thinking. And that's what ties all of this together. What happened at the Sium Hashas, at the many Siumim Hashas, was a Kiddush Hashem. If we're gonna be willing, to publicize that Kiddush Hashem and tell ourselves how great we are, we must at least have as much ability and as much willingness to publicize the Chilul Hashem to ourselves and say, we must stop this now. We cannot allow this to continue. And when religious Zionists or any Jews act in an inappropriate way, we must tell them that does not fly anymore. No more. In some ways, I'm just venting tonight. I don't know if this is going to help anybody do anything. I'm guessing that most of the people who are listening will say, yeah, of course, now what? I don't know what the now what is. I don't have an answer. I'm obviously quite frustrated about it, but at the very least, let's stop just saying they're crazy. That's not enough anymore. First of all, it may not be true. There may be more of them than you think. And second of all, even if they are an extreme fringe, they are an extreme fringe that reflects all of us. There are weeds in our garden. Our ideologies have led to that extremism, and when it happens, we have to kick them out and say, that's not acceptable. You're not going to get in the Lee in my shul. We're not going to let you speak in our schools and shuls if you espouse this kind of behavior or ideology. We have to say, you're not part of our community. Our community has to be pure, and our job, our responsibility, our achrayut, is to make sure that we can be proud of our community, that our community is a kid Hashem and not a chilul Hashem. Thank you for listening. I'm Scott Kahn, and this is The Orthodox Conundrum on jewishcoffeehouse.com.